Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Oh, dear God, Andy, there's a lot to discuss. The Lakers uh, suffer what I think, among many candidates to choose from, is the worst loss of the year. Is this rock bottom? They're four games under 500. Does Frank Vogel make it to the All-Star break? Does Russell Westbrook uh, still put on a Lakers uniform Saturday night when the Lakers play the Warriors? A lot to cover. We'll get to it next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up bright and early for you as fast as we can. Um, try to make another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day if you can. Maybe Locked On Rams with our friend Travis Rogers. want to let you know, too, that uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, okay. Uh, Andy, we got to talk about Frank Vogel. We've got to talk about the trade deadline. We've got a lot to talk about on uh, today's show. Um, but at the risk of being prisoner of the moment, I, this has got to be rock bottom, right? A 107-105 loss to a Portland team um, that has basically gutted itself through trades, started Justice Winslow, C.J. Ellaby, and Ben McLemore, and had three people I've never heard of coming off the bench. Like, this is rock bottom, right? I know I've said it's the worst loss of the season like 15 times this year, but this is the worst one, right? I'm not willing to commit totally, Brian, just because there are still 26 games left. So declaring this rock bottom feels like it might just be premature. Like, like it is definitively rock bottom. Is it rock bottom to this point? Contextually, quite possibly, because like you said, the Blazers were starting a team that barely has met each other. They still are not playing the guys that they got in the C.J. McCollum deal. And the Lakers, every bit of incompetence that we've seen from them, you know, periodically, habitually, however you want to put it, over the course of the season was just on like 10 flashing lights like blinding, but in ways that were extreme, even by their standards. I'll just throw out a few of these, Brian. 21 turnovers, which even for the Lakers, like that's, that's a, lot, a lot. Even for them. That's yeah. That's gave fair. up 28 points in the process, 58 points in the paint for mm. Portland. Um, they shot 46% the Lakers at the line. 46 percent i mean the the, i guess 55 from the field but 46 from the line i mean i guess the upside if you want to try to really force a half a half full glass they only got to the line 13 times so i guess they didn't waste that big of an opportunity relatively speaking although in a two-point game they sure did like and then you know, this is something I know I've harped on a lot, and I think over the course of the season, you've started coming on more and more to my side. Uh, the energy of this team, you know, it's been an issue this whole season, Brian. Mm. Yeah. But in this game, just god-awful list, uh, listlessness. I mean, just, I, it was unpleasant 
to really see, was. which is, again, another characteristic of this team all season. They are unpleasant as it's all get it's, out. It's tough watch uh, from night yeah. to night. There's no question. Like, look, yeah. on, on Wednesday's show, I noted that I thought Tuesday's game against Milwaukee, where the Lakers fell down by 30 and got mm-hmm. their butts kicked, mm-hmm. um, was a, a, an example of them being thoroughly outclassed. I think they were made to look slow, to look confused, to look discombobulated. That was mostly Milwaukee. Um, I think there have been times during the year where playing lousy can make you look slower, make you look uninterested. All of this stuff, and I think those things are true. None of that applies to Wednesday's game. They sucked. Their attention to detail was awful. Everyone on down. LeBron James had a one of the worst turnovers I've ever seen at a critical moment in the fourth quarter where he's got, you know, the Lakers force, I believe, forced a turnover. They're out on the break. He's got Talon Horton Tucker on his wing, and I believe it was Simons was the only player yes. back for Portland. And LeBron had a clear path to the basket. Didn't even have to pass the ball. Just keep going. You're LeBron freaking James. Nobody's getting in your way. And he tried to this bounce pass under Simons. The ball got picked off, picked off, and and it was a, a triple for Portland on the other way. It was a pick six. Yeah, you know it this was, was one of the off, pick sixes that they talked to, that LeBron talked about after the game. He, it was he, coming off uh, Anthony Davis blocking Yusef Nurkic, and the game was tied at mm-hmm. one hundred two at that point. So the Lakers had a real opportunity to get the lead in this game, and instead it turned into. It was essentially yeah. at minimum a five point. It was a five point swing, and and so look, I mean, LeBron took accountability for it and whatever, and that's fine, but like that can't happen. It he just, had six and, and turnovers it in this game. Right. That felt low, honestly. I I when I looked at the Blake final Monk shoot, had five, and that felt low. <laughs> I, mean, I, like, I I expected LeBron honestly to have like eight or nine. Like there were a few times where he just kind of lost the ball, and they they ended up recovering it, but like. He was uncharacteristically sloppy mm-hmm. with his handle throughout and, this game. And, you know, so the Lakers, the, you know, the, you keep kind of looking at their, God, they're shooting 55%. You look up in there, you know, Portland, I had one three-point. I think they were one of 13 in the, uh, in the, in the first half from three. And all of this stuff, you're like, why are the Lakers tight in this game? You know, they were up by seven at the half. But, like, why aren't they up by, you know, 18? And it's turnovers, and it's turnovers, and it's turnovers because the Lakers, um, you know, ultimately gave up 15 more field goal attempts to Portland, and you know they, they the Lakers gave up 11 offensive rebounds. They had three on their own, and you know, you know, let's get let's get to this. You know, the other thing about this game that was, as Mom would say when she watches something that she doesn't like, disgusting. Was Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter? I actually tweeted out, you know, about you know three quarters of the way through. Like, has AD gone below the three point line in the last five possessions? The answer was no. Went back and looked. Um, and the other thing, he had, he did not score in the fourth quarter. Didn't score. He was eight of eleven in this game, and I I cannot believe he was stuck at eleven. 
It's the 11 that bothers me in a game like this. How on earth, if you're Anthony Davis in a game the Lakers have to win, do you not score in the fourth quarter in a game where you were dominating from an efficiency standpoint? I just, well, I don't is, know. It he, was he, mind-boggling to me. He might have been just thinking too much about the fact that, to be totally honest, he was getting used by Yusef Nurkic. I mean, Nurkic had 19 points, 8 of 11 himself, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, and... He really did a number on AD when AD was trying to guard him in the paint. And, you know, I know. Okay, fine. You, Go well, score I, on the other end. Sure. I, I'm just, you're asking, like, what's going on? Like, how do you how, how do you end up only with 11 shots? How do you sort of end up passive as the game is going along? Like, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking about that dude down there. I have maybe, no idea. Or maybe I'm, this is just, this is the return of that thing that we talked about over the course of the season where AD is very good at the beginning of games and invisible at the end of them you know his fourth quarter scoring for you know we, we probably talked about it for two weeks up until the point where he got hurt and didn't play for six and then he'd played really well um in in returning and you know you chalk up tuesday's game as a mulligan kind of for everybody they all got their you know just their tails kicked by a a, a wildly superior um milwaukee team and defensively look i you know the lakers weren't good. They, you know, Portland's not a team that you could expect to put up a lot of points. The perimeter defense, though, was really bad. And so, you know, with with AD inside, he did manage five blocks, the you know, and, and all that stuff. But like, it, I'm willing to at least have. There was some no sympathy. interior presence defensively by Anthony Davis or anybody else. On there, this but there team. was no there Period. was no exterior presence. Sure, <laughs> but like, but all of that aside. None of that should have anything to do with with going and playing in the fourth quarter and 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 going and just you know instead of just being swing I'm going to swing the ball here I'm going to swing the ball there stand at the top of the of the, of the three point line one less swing put the ball on the floor and go to the basket see what happens and I just I that kind of passivity was what everybody was complaining about uh, with his performance even while the numbers looked good and for the Lakers to be where they are now dropping four games under 500 with Utah. I'm sorry. Well, golden state and then Utah before the all-star break, they are almost certainly going to be barring something very unexpected. Six games under 500, uh, going into the, the all-star break. Um, what does this mean for Thursday's trade deadline? Russell Westbrook and all that stuff. What does it mean for Frank Vogel? We'll talk Russell about Westbrook, who did not play in this game. So, oh, yes, you, you didn't have Russell Westbrook to kick around at least uh, one night. Um, yeah. He was out with lower back tightness. Um, it led to a lot of, you know, conspiracy theory speculation that the Lakers are <laughs> trying to keep him healthy because otherwise it might tank his trade. Well, actually, you know, I but there's I got a couple things to say about this. Let's do, we'll do all of it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. There may be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Big game this Sunday. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the games start um so it's funny like you know people were talking about the conspiracy theory of you know like keeping russ healthy on the bench so they can trade him 
Houston doesn't care if he's hurt. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, he's never going to play for the Rockets if he actually gets traded there. No, Russell Westbrook uh, not being able to get on the court at all only raises his trade value for Houston. That actually <laughs> right. makes probably, him more appealing. Bonus. Like, if he, if he can't demand to be out there, they're, like, sold. Yeah, I was, but I was thinking during Tuesday's game, like, this, he was so bad and so, like, obviously out of sorts in a way that he has been over the last four games. Uh, this felt to me like one of those games where somebody taps him on the shoulder at the end of the game going, Russ, it looks like your back's really stiffened up. No, I feel fine. Like, no, Russ, listen to me. It feels like you look like your back's really, why don't you sit down for three or four days with some back stiffness and, you know, come back after the all-star break and, you know, we'll, we'll it'll all be good because he's just so wildly out of sorts. Um, I, you know, it, he, he needs a reset. The entire team needs a reset. It was funny. Harrison Fagan, our friend at uh, Silver Screen and Roll, actually tweeted out that the Lakers try uh, unplugging and plugging back in their roster <laughs> because the whole <laughs> roster needs a reset. Like they just looked after the game exhausted, Ex like mentally, physically, <laughs> like James Worthy, like James Worthy. They looked broken. You know, LeBron just kept talking about how tired he was. Not of like the seasons worn me down, but like physically tired. Like I'm sleepy. I want to go to sleep. But I think those two things are probably related. He talked about how right now it just feels like they're in a fog and they're just trying to get themselves through this fog, trying to see what is on the other side of this fog and just hoping that it's not more fog. <laughs> like, because... Right now, I mean, I have no idea what the hell is at the end of the proverbial tunnel, but it does not feel like light. No, no. Well, it's trained. Or like I, my concern with fog, uh, as I tweeted out at Cam Brothers, was uh, the, like in the mist. You remember that, that mm -hmm. movie, the Frank Darabont movie? Gigantic monsters <laughs> that eat everyone. It could be there. Um, it feels like that. Uh, that movie, very dark. Didn't turn out well for any of the people, really. Um I, I think there's a very good chance the Lakers are six games under 500 when the All-Star break rolls around. And I, I have, I've said now for a little while that I don't think Frank Vogel is going to be the coach next year. Not a massive limb to go out on, but you know that's where we are. If they're six games under 500 and they don't look good uh, in either game, I don't think he makes it through the All-Star break. I think the Lakers make a change because they don't have a lot of levers to pull. That's one of them. And I don't know how effective it'll be, but if you only have one or two things that you can do, you pull whatever levers in front of you. Okay. First of all, hear me out because maybe it solves, you know, kills two birds with one stone, solves two issues they're dealing with. Interim head coach, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> because how much less could they listen to Westbrook than Vogel, which is really one of the concerns I have right now. If if you are looking for reasons, you know, you can debate what Vogel's doing schematically, you know, on the court, philosophically, all that stuff. And you and I have gone through this a lot over the season. I think I have been more dissatisfied with a lot of decisions that he's made, even acknowledging the context than you have. And I think there have been, you can put more blame at his feet for making his life more difficult than it should. And I, I don't want to rehash these debates. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I think I, I, I don't know if I've been less, I just think a lot of these choices are less consequential, but either way, it's fine. But the one thing though, that I, I would say is 
starting to become a legitimate concern with this team, whether Vogel's fault or not. It, and I wanted to ask Vogel about this, and I just didn't get an opportunity tonight. It's just the idea that they're tuning him out. Like whatever he is saying to them to do, trying to keep them focused, trying to keep them inspired, trying to create some type of sense of urgency, because guys are still talking about needing to generate that, and they are currently four games below 500. So it shouldn't take that much imagination to make that happen. So whatever he's saying is not getting through to them, and that may be as much or more a reflection on them than him, could be more him than them. But at the end of the day, that may be a reason that you look for just a different voice because you need somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I, I think it's even in this in these cases less about what the voice is than the sort of the the you're almost playing on players' guilt. Like, look at what we did. We got a a, a decent man fired you know for what? basically doing our whatever it is. And you know, I don't I don't think interim coach David Fisdale or interim coach. Mike Penberthy or Phil Handy or whatever, maybe Phil, um, just because LeBron has such a deep, 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 deep respect for Phil Handy. Um, but you know, broadly speaking, I don't think the next voice is going to be the the one that gets them to click and motivate. Um, I think it's just the fact that they've reached that point, maybe. But either way, regardless of what, if it's and uh, they're not going to get worse, and Vogel's not coming back next year. I think it is. It is plainly obvious he is not coming back next year i don't know if he wants to come back i don't blame him yeah to be honest with you um so if that's the case i it's not going to help i don't think but why not look i don't know if it'll help or hurt but i mean here well i don't know if it'll help i don't know if there's such a thing as hurt at this point no there isn't that may ultimately be it but you're also starting to get into a situation where Frank, it's untenable for Frank Vogel. Like where they are right now, for him to be coaching as a dead man walking. But if they're, especially like if, say, they make a move at the deadline, which by definition means they are still treating this season as if there is something, you know, something at stake. You can't have a coach that's getting tuned out. Like to this point, especially one that is on a, as we like to say, a fake extension. Like you, you at that point, you have to make a decision to fire him because yeah. otherwise, I don't understand what you're doing. And, and look, I, I don't know if they're tuning him out or not, but the the results are. It not feels there. to me like they're tuning him out. I see. Well, let's let's talk about that. I, I I don't know if they're tuning him out or there is a scenario that I mentioned on. Uh, Wednesday show that I'm extremely concerned about and I remain even more concerned about following Wednesday's loss. Talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more on the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership anyway, dummy? You can get it for far less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks 
at a chain store, but it's only 216 at Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. Okay, so... Here's what I'm, I'm, I'm even more worried about because this is a, a problem that I think is really independent of Frank Vogel or anybody else who's coaching them. When Anthony Davis came back, there was a, a you know, obviously this is something that the Lakers needed, but the, the, the one problem with that is it's the one thing that they've been waiting for, like where they could say, yeah, but Anthony Davis hasn't been here. Yeah, but when Anthony Davis gets back, we can fix this and we can, you know, we can find out how good we are and all that stuff. The problem was if you don't really get better, if you don't look better quickly, if you can't show that the progress is coming, now you're out of stuff. There's nothing else to look forward to. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's been banged up, whatever, like, but that's not a game changer. Like AD coming back and them not fixing it or looking like there's a path to it could be the thing that makes them decide that they can't win and the and the last you know the the tuesday night's game against milwaukee certainly wednesday night's game against portland they had the body language and the post game kind of uh vibe of a team that doesn't think that they're going to be able to win they're veterans they are smart they've been around the block a thousand times they know what's in front of them and if they decide that they're not good enough with all the toxicity that seems to be coming up with westbrook with you know the the problems with Vogel, all of these, the last fifteen games of the season could be nuclear bad. I mean, and you know, maybe am I reading too much into the body language and stuff of two bad losses? No, I, I've said a few times throughout this season that I've had concern about them losing belief in themselves as a team. So no, I don't. I, there is nothing too negative that you can read into what's going on right now. I mean, like really. Take, take that leap. It's okay. Like right now, you feel free to speculate any well, negativity. But I'm saying it's not the all. I'm the only reason I ask it that way is because it is not the only explanation for their comments after the last couple of games, the way they've carried them. Also, because there, I don't is think also... this is an only one thing. Sure, like okay. there's no reason to be pinning it down to one thing because there is such a bleep storm going on right now. And the the bleep is flying in like a thousand different directions. And when it settles down and you're covered in all the bleep, you're not going to be thinking, well, <laughs> that was all caused by one thing. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's all sorts of stuff going on right now that's creating this toxicity. I, I absolutely believe with you that believe you that uh, lack of belief. That's a thing. Absolutely. And. I think one of the things that makes this problematic, and there were you know kind of conflicting reports about how the Lakers are approaching the deadline on Thursday, it, it was is the whole Westbrook thing because it is obviously not working. It's not going to get better, and it is incredibly difficult to unwind. Whether you try to move off from the Westbrook contract on Thursday uh, in a trade with Houston for John Wall, or you do it over the summer unwinding the Westbrook mistake is going to be incredibly costly to a team that has very little that it can do um, to improve itself. And so if, if part of your uh, 
your improvement cycle and your assets have to be used to fix something that you screwed up. I mean, it's one, you know, it, it, I, I think that's, I wonder if that's part of the, the sort of broad negativity that they feel is that there's not even an easy exit ramp here. There isn't um, an easy exit ramp here. Like there isn't like, I, I, I honestly, I hope they recognize that because my concern with this team uh, or with the front office and, you know, with, I think a lot of quick fixes and, you know, lack of patience and the tendency we've seen the last three years to just keep turning over, turning over, turning over. And they are not a patient organization historically or currently. I would be more concerned that they would actually think that there's a quick fix out there. I hope to God that they recognize there isn't because the last thing you want to see them do is try to throw good money after bad trying to fix something in a way that won't truly fix it. Like they, what they should not be doing heading into the deadline and this leads to the, you know, wall for Westbrook, uh converse, you know, rumors that are heating up yet again there you know, you, there's been a lot of reports from different people, uh Dave McMenamin among them about like, you know, the the Lakers looking to try to get off Westbrook, you know, internally feeling like this thing, you know, you need to rip the band-aid off it. And I get it, but Band-Aid is the perfect word because a Band-Aid solution to what is going on right now could end up just adding more disaster to it. Let because me, if you can't truly fix yeah. this season, don't Band-Aid it. Here's the thing. Let, Let it bleed ask, out. I agree, bleed I agree with you in principle. Um, and I think, for example, THT for Terrence Ross THT for Josh Richardson. THT, by the way, played a pretty good game on Wednesday. Um, I mean, it's all relative, but sure. Sure. Um, he wasn't the problem, at the very least. <laughs> sure, um, so I won the solution. It's a lot to ask him to be the solution. But, like, you know, flipping Wait, no, he was fine. He was fine. THT for Terrence Ross, THT in a, in, a, in a middling move, like for a guy like, you know, guys like that, that is a panic move um, for you know throw that that is throwing good money after bad absolutely i do think though that there is an argument to be made that wall for westbrook is actually not throwing good money after bad if you think that this is going to be your best perhaps only chance to trade that contract you're not actually trading Westbrook to save this season. You're trading Westbrook to theoretically address next season, to theoretically get yourself out of the trouble that you've created yourself. And it looks like a solution for this year, but it's really not. Because if you go into the offseason, there's really only one team that seems to be at all willing to take. What happens if somebody else decides, you know what, well, we need to blow something up and we'll take John Wall. We'll do that. All of a sudden, he's gone. The hell do you do with Russell Westbrook at that point? I don't know. And but so I, I think you can make an argument that that trade, while it would appear to the public in a lot of ways as look at the Lakers getting desperate trying to fix this season and how silly that is for John Wall, it may not be. The sign that they're panicking and throwing good money after bad is if they give away THT for someone like Terrence Ross. No, but I agree with that, but the devil's in the details. Like I would not attach a first-round pick 
to get off Westbrook right now for John Wall, a guy that we have not seen play basketball in a year, has not been an impactful player for a few years consistently. He has tons of injury risk. He has a lot of similar issues that would make him a bad fit uh, the same way Russell Westbrook has. There are concerns about what he wants from basketball right now because you know there have been reports, and I talked to two people close to the Rockets, and they confirmed those reports, that the reason John Wall has not been playing this year is because John Wall has insisted on starting. And mm-hmm. if he's not starting, he won't play. And considering everything that's been going on with Russell Westbrook and dissatisfaction with his role and you know a lack of humility that's gone along with those struggles, that makes me a little bit concerned too. I would also, if I'm going to look to move Russell Westbrook and if I have to sacrifice picks to make that happen, I would want to wait till this offseason where I have another pick available True. to include with the 2027. You can include 2029, and then you can hopefully, with Westbrook as a true expiring, trade him for more of a position of strength as opposed to feeling like right now, because you know there's going to be part of it. And but, but, you know but, 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 but it's going to be motivated by trying sure, to salvage this season. I, yes and no, and, but like if but if you if you move into a place where you suddenly the second pick is on the table, I'm not sure that's actually a position of strength because it, now the other team's be, like, depend, well, it depends. Okay, fine, who, give us both. It depends. I mean, is who that else is really available. that helpful? Depends, well, it depends who's available. Depends who might you know if Damian Lillard, for example, is available. If somebody else is available. As opposed to John Wall or nothing with the first round pick, I'll take my chances. Okay, yeah, but that I mean, that's I would I rather is a Westbrook. valid that's a valid POV to have here, but it has to come with the yes. understanding that this could be the best and only chance to trade Russell could Westbrook. Be. It might it could be. be. I'm not saying it will be, but it, it might certainly be. could be. But you know what, Russell Westbrook, assuming it's is even good. real. Russell Westbrook has spent the I believe it absolutely is real. Right, Russell, just, Westbrook, you know. Russell Westbrook has spent the last few seasons with everybody declaring he can't possibly be traded when his contract was longer. I refuse to believe that there will be no opportunity to trade him as an expiring and every everybody can get moved. We've seen this over and over and over and what I don't want to see them do is make some type of move that feels like it's about saving this season because I'm not sure it can be saved. That's I, I, I 100% agree with you that it, that it probably can't be. I just don't, again, not people I think get at this point. I'm not 100% sure that a move like that really would be designed to save this season. People would look at it perhaps like it is. But again, if you think this is your best chance to get off that contract and off the player, and just the, the 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 what is developing into a clear problem. I would um, rather send him home for the rest of the season. That's an option. That's an option. If it but gets just, that yeah, bad, I would rather under, do that. It just I don't know if it's going to be any. You're not going to necessarily get a better deal this summer. The assumption, not that you have, but that people might have, that if you just wait for the summer, you'll have way more options, and it'll be. I'm not sure I'll have get way a better more. deal. I might have. It's uh, not necessarily true. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't know. You're right. You are absolutely right that I made that the Lakers might not get a better option this summer or a lot of options. If they get two, that would be more. I just put it that way. If they sure. had two avenues 
to move Russell Westbrook. That would be literally doubling their current options. Right. And so you know, I will take that the, chance. Hopefully the second one will be better. And if there's anybody I trust to unwind this, it's Rob Palenka. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> um, I mean, we will like, have trade deadline reaction uh, for Friday's show. Uh, we'll see what they do and we'll see what happens around the league. It's going to be interesting. Uh, and um, get ready for a game on Saturday against the uh, Warriors. That might be one of the last two Frank Vogel coaches. Yeah. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that. uh, And we will see everybody on Friday.